0: Hello and welcome back to Bourbon Barrel Talk. I'm your host, Scott Minton. Today's episode of Bourbon Barrel Talk is brought to you by Bluegrass Distillers. Did you know that you can now order bluegrass products online at www.bluegrassdistillers.com? Since 2013, Bluegrass Distillers has been crafting award-winning spirits through hard work and determination. Our new visitor center, and Warehouse are now open at Elkwood Farm in Midway, Kentucky. There, you can find distillery exclusive products. Pick up a bottle of our Bluegrass Bourbons or Midway Finished Rye products at our distillery in Lexington, Kentucky or our Visitor Center in Midway, Kentucky. Recently, our Blue Corn Bourbon won double platinum while our Toasted Oak Finished in toasted oak barrels continues to be a crowd favorite we will be releasing another round of nine-year-old elkwood reserve series at both our locations and to retailers in kentucky we are currently distributed in kentucky nebraska tennessee virginia wyoming indiana california ohio michigan and texas today we are at bluegrass distillers in midway kentucky
1: that's right, Midway, yep. Kentucky.
0: All right, and our special guests are Ben and Sam. Ben's going to join us here in a few minutes. But Sam, how are you doing, sir?
2: Doing great. Thanks to have you know. Thank you all for coming down. Sam, today. thanks
1: for having us. Yeah, for sure. So
0: long you, time coming.
1: It's been a long time coming.
0: You guys uh, have got a, a a fantastic, beautiful countryside here. You guys are building on, and you got some cool things going on. So if you want to tell us a little bit about how did you get started into the business?
2: Well, into bourbon, uh, I got into it really in twenty twelve. And, um, at the time I lived in Atlanta and really I'm from Kentucky. I'm from actually Woodford County. I grew up here on the Versailles side. And, uh, but I went to, uh, graduate school here. I went to law school at UK and then I, Practice law for a long time in Kentucky. I actually started my law practice and for sales.
1: What is it with lawyers and bird? Lawyer by trade, distillery by night. Lots
0: of them. There, there's like five or six yeah. guys that I know yeah. that started distilleries they that were all lawyers. They understand the ins and outs of it. I think it's the law thing. Like They're not scared of going into the legal issues. But I'm sorry
1: to no, interrupt. No, they want just, to get out of the law. Oh, yeah. is that what, yeah. what it is? I <laughs> <laughs> actually worked with Tom Bullitt, and that's why he was doing it. There you go. Fair. See, um, being a lawyer leads you to... Owning a distillery. I mean, I need to go to law school. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs>
2: but Tom Bullitt actually, this was 1996 or seven. He, he like showed me this bottle and I was like, what are you doing with that? And he's like, man, I'm starting this bourbon. And of course, back then I thought, well, who cares about bourbon? You know, man, I mean, you are nuts. We just drink it out of plastic bottles that say gentleman on them, you know? <laughs> <laughs> which you're never a gentleman after you drink that. Yeah. But uh, obviously, that turned into something serious for Tom. And um, he's, I don't know how involved he is now, but, so I i was still practicing law full-time. I was dating my current wife now, Keely, and um, I was coming back and forth, and a buddy of mine um, wanted to go look at uh, what is now Castle and Key for another reason, so I went out there with him, and I grew up close to that place, so I knew it, and we started looking at the tanks, and you know, it was like one thing led to another, and we said, you know, why don't we get into the bourbon business? And I thought, you know, I can be a way to come back to Kentucky and would, you know, do something that's more fun than practicing law. Right um, now, 2012, you know, bourbon was still really young. Like there were no contract distillers. We talked about being rectifying at the time, which is what you would call it because people didn't call them NDPs, and then just decided to not do it. We uh and start on the mash, so we bought this still from Portugal and we went to uh first bourbon school we went to where whiskey school was in Colorado, and we left the second day at noon because the guys who were teaching the course got just really trashed by noon.
0: <laughs> by noon the second day, they were already <laughs> yeah. smashed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds like it sounds so, like one of the conferences we go to.
1: It
2: does, yeah. So then we went to uh Paul, Tomaszewski's he used to call it camp distillery down oh, at MB Rolling. Yeah. he doesn't do it anymore. But Paul was a former military guy and it started at 6am. And so basically he learned how to moonshine and 55 gallon steel drums and then put it in a barrel and call it bourbon. So, uh, so Paul got us going. He had a manual. Um, Paul had been going for a couple of years and that was kind of how he was supporting the farm. Yeah. And uh, he was also doing this thing called picking on the porch where he would you know, do weekend events and um so then we really got into it and we started basically like we had the most rudimentary rudimentary equipment you can imagine. Like we had a we heated with a continuous water heater that would basically heat water to one eighty five because it you gotta heat corn to one seventy two to gelatinize. So of course when you pour the hot water in, lowers the temperature, you get a really low fermentation and and so, but, but we learned with really the worst equipment. So then Steve Thompson, we had been talking to Steve Thompson, um, you know, with Kentucky Artisan and, and, he said, well, why don't you just mash in the still? So we started mashing in the still. And at that point our still was still gas and had a flame underneath. So it would like basically cook the corn on the bottom. And, um, you know, sometimes it would just smell like, you know, popcorn with gasoline on it (laughs) so all everything that we made way back then is all gone
1: but uh i bet there's something somewhere
2: there might there probably is that somebody wouldn't drink and uh i bet you got
1: a barrel or two somewhere (laughs) there's
2: probably some stuff out there so we uh but we just kept doing it and then we got involved with the uk school of chemical engineering this friend of mine um went to a professor and said a friend of mine has a distillery, he might need some interns, which uh, at that point that was a radical overstatement of what we had. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> it was kind of like that Kramer and Seinfeld when he had the intern you know yes <laughs> and uh, so we uh, so with them we got the interns and, and and that was really great, so we would put the interns on like all kinds of stuff, so basically they would they would hand feed the corn into the still. We would cook it, mash it. Sometimes it would take like 24 hours to cook it. And I was doing this coming back and forth with Atlanta. I was the main distiller, I guess, was what you would call me. And then we would ferment in five-gallon buckets with different kinds of grain to see what fermented fastest, like cracked corn, (laughs) flaked corn. At one point, we were buying flaked corn out of Pennsylvania. And the reason why is because it had been pre-cooked and you could basically gelatinize it with like 140 degree water. Mm. And the reason why is, so the guy's asking me why I need flaked corn and I'm asking him why he has flaked corn, especially at the same price as normal crack corn here. And he said, well, it's because we have mainly dairy cows here and they can't eat crack corn. So we have to pre-steam it and pre-break it down. And so we did that for a while. Um, And then the interns, we basically turned them loose and said, why don't you get white corn, red corn, Indian corn, all kinds of different corns. Yeah. And then we cooked those down and, and put them through sort of a mini stale in a crock pot, When we, which is how we came up with the blue corn. So right. the blue corn just tasted a little bit different. Um, and so... Is
0: that what we're sipping on right now? Is yeah. the blue yeah. corn? Yeah, uh-huh.
2: And so we <laughs> like uh, blue corn. We started making blue corn. It's a, it's a what it, it used to be about twenty percent of our overall production, um, and now we grow our own blue corn, and we've been running blue corn for about a year. So, and the blue corn wheat is the secondary grain, um, and it's just worked out for us really great. It's it ages. Um, seems to be a little bit, it matures a little bit quicker than its brother or sister, the weeded bourbon, which is the yellow corn weeded. Um, it gets darker a little bit quicker. It has a little bit more earthy note. Um, but people seem to really like it. We release it twice a year. Um, I wish we had more of it. I do and like your blue corn. It is good. It's
0: different. It's different. Yeah. It is definitely different. Yeah, It's 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 it I doesn't think, get quite that popcorn-y, like, like, like that real sweet, Undertone corn that you get off some of stuff. So, mm-hmm. and how old is this?
2: So, it's probably bottled a, and bond.
0: Oh, yeah, it's bottled
2: and bonded. It's over four years. I don't gotcha. know exactly what it is.
1: Right. That's good. How much would someone see this on the shelf for?
2: I think it's about 60
1: That's not bad. 60 bucks Yeah. At least four years old, bottled and bond. Yep artisan distillery based. under a hundred dollars we yeah.
0: appreciate i mean it. anymore that's kind of the market you know i mean you
1: start looking at stuff and
0: you're I mean, you're every, in that 60 to 100 dollar range real easily so every
1: bottle you see is always like 75 80 100 bucks right well, when we
2: started we were trying to stay middle of the shelf yeah. 35 40 dollars which we did we were able to do for a while and then we actually had distributors not our distributor in kentucky but somebody who we talked to about going to California. And they were like, "You need to raise it. Basically, everything above a hundred dollars." We thought, "Nah, we just don't want to do that. You can't do that
1: just just because you know." Because then was, if it came back here and you were like, "Oh, what this was fifty dollars yesterday? Why did you double the price on Yeah, me? Kentucky's the NFL. Oh, I know you got to be able to survive
2: here, right? To to really do things in other places.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. I agree with that. I think if you, if you're going to build a, especially a bourbon label, right, you've got to be able to survive in Kentucky, and in the Midwest, because I think that's where the heart of the drinker is outside of Texas and a couple of other outlying areas. That's where the bulk of the of of bourbon is drank. Yeah,
2: absolutely. So. With the UK school, we had a UK another UK program, an MBA program, and they did sort of like a survey of well, we were trying to figure out what states we should go to, into. And we were really focused on really large states, you know, by population. Um, and really it turned out that some of the the best states would not be those big states because they were drinking a lot of scotch or a lot of rum um, or a lot of their own make. And But the Midwest and the South were really good states in terms of cases per capita and things like that. So, you know, we... It's just sort of like something you don't have to think about when you're like, okay, we can get to those later.
1: Right.
0: Right. Yeah. I, I think if, I, when I think about the South, I think really the only states that I don't primarily think of as being bourbon drinkers is probably going to be like Alabama and, and Mississippi and Louisiana. But outside of that, I mean, I feel like Georgia's very heavy, mm-hmm. South Carolina, Florida, Texas. Of course, Texas is kind of West, Southern West, but yeah. You know.
1: Everybody tries to be like, oh yeah, we're great with bourbon. We know everything about it. And Florida was... Florida was down there on that. List.
0: So yeah, but but Florida's got a lot of buyers, right? And they also have a I lot of know. transplants, you know. So but but that's part of the problem with part of Florida is the fact that there's so many northeasterners that are there and they they do I drink a lot it. of scotch. So, but it's still a massive population. So, I don't know. Go for it. Here. So as you guys continue to kind of build out here, what what is the what's the footprint gonna look like? First off, still place is cool. Yeah, it's really cool. It's oh, absolutely cool. Yeah. I, I love the old house like and, and, and the conversion and the bar downstairs is neat and it looks like you guys got some other things you're gonna be putting in with that and but, but what is the, you know, kind of conversion gonna look like? Rick houses, still, what's all that?
2: Yep. So we have essentially sixty four acres here on sixty four on the midway exit. So it's exit sixty five, which is the exit the first exit after Frankfurt and the and the and the first exit for Versailles. So if you were gonna to go to Woodford Reserve from Lexington, you would get off here. Right. At some point people will say if you were gonna to go to Bluegrass Distillers, you'd get off there. <laughs> but, the, but
1: but but you, you gonna have a highway sign that says that? Like yeah, a yeah. giant billboard.
2: Yeah, so we the the actually the the first Rick house, or it's a it's a palletized house, is right when you get off the exit from Lexington it's right there yeah so that big black building that you see when you're stopped go left or right is our building so we'll put something there that says huh. come to bluegrass, bluegrass distillers that bluegrass. bluegrass distillers
0: here so um, come to bluegrass we're not Woodford
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: for now <laughs>
0: You know, when Woodford
1: comes knocking on your door, you would be like,
2: hey, Sam, <laughs> that's right. what do you guys do?" I've always <laughs> wanted to work there. It's a dream come true, guys.
1: <laughs> that's right.
0: Uh,
2: my dad lives on the same road as Woodford Reserve. Oh, really? Yeah. Still? Yeah. That's,
0: that's crazy. crazy. So yeah, right. all my family, my mom's side of the family is all from Woodford County and, oh, right? and Versailles, and Lexington and all that stuff. So it's kind of funny. My grandfather actually was one of the head horse managers at uh, Brooks Farm out here back in the 70s. So uh, we, we've got a fairly rich heritage here in this area. So. What,
2: what's the last name? Craycraft. Craycraft, okay. I don't know any Craycrafts, but... Yeah. Um, okay. You so play geography later. Yeah, that's right. Which part of the county? Right. Um, <laughs> so we have that warehouse over there. The house here that we are in was built, took three years, 1832 to 1835. So it's 6,000 square feet. It has offices on the second floor. Um, Tasting room. Just, Glad you
1: have centralized heat now. <laughs> we do. Well, not really. It's just warm today. I know. It's
2: going to be turned on this week. Well, there is heat on this floor. Um, but um, so this is on the first floor. It's, there's a lounge, there's a package store, um, there's a little bar in the back, and we'll have beer and cocktails back there. And then we have a, a building over there, which was a former slave house um, that will be a cafe. And oh, cool. um, yeah, so part of our deal with the we we got some grant money, but it's not really a grant that the, the state gives money to the to the city. And then the city buys some equipment for us and then we pay them back. But the city gets to keep that money. And so that's called the grant. It's great for us, great for the city. So when we do that, there were some federal funds involved. And as a result, we had to go through this process where we because the house was on that historic preservation, yeah. we we worked out some things with them. And so one of the things is we, we need to basically tell the story of antebellum Woodford County. So we'll have sort of like a timeline downstairs on the wall and it going through this process, like really opened my eyes to Woodford, what Woodford County was like before the civil war. I, I did not know that it was uh, predominantly African-American. Um, you know, when I grew up in Woodford County, it was like 10% African-American and um, just the, the slave history of Woodford County, you know, I had no idea really, but it was, you um, know, it was a bigger green county. It was outside Lexington and in between um, Frankfurt. So that's part of the, part of the history of the house. Then as you all saw, when you drove up, the distillery is now going up. Um, we have most of the pieces here. Yeah. So the equipment, most of it's here. Um, we ordered the equipment between 12 and 18 months ago. And it just kind of like arrives.
1: Just kind of shows up. Hey, you
2: know, it's just like. Hey, I man, you going to be there tomorrow? <laughs> yeah.
1: Why? Well, we have these that's giant th- truck full of steels coming by.
2: It is. And we've come, we've become good buddies with the Roberts trucking guys because they, they will pull a semi out of a ravine, but they'll also pull a tank off a truck. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So they just, you know, they don't need any notice and they show up and they've got some great guys. And, um, and so that's been fun. Uh, you just learn what resources are out there in the world to, to get done what you're going to get done. So that is
1: hey what are y'all doing?
2: <laughs> so the distiller and, and everybody's excited to work on a stillery, right? you know, right? It's so fun. They, they, so they come over and they're like, what's this tank for? And what's this tank for? Um, and so over there we will have, uh, we'll start out with six 18,000 gallon fermenters, a 12,000 gallon cooker, and then a 36 inch column still. Oh, nice. And, um, and then we've got a, bigger tasting room down there and some more offices relating to the manufacturing and then a large room that we can use for tastings and that's great so and then we'll we'll do other Rick houses here too I mean we we rent some space in that one um, which has been great and um, then we're moving on to probably build another one at the end of next year personally as the construction manager I need a break so once this is like done <laughs> you know I, I, I want to go back and. To, You're like I need a vacation. To, well, just getting back to bourbon, you know, getting back to working um, with our marketing people on distribution. I kind of this is kind of akin to I've heard like. How the baseball wives don't like it when the baseball players come back after the summer. Yeah. I feel like they're like that with me. They're like, you've been gone for a year and a half and now you're back. Stay away. Yeah. <laughs> you're back telling us like where to put Google ads and things like that. <laughs> And it's not fair. So we're well, uh, not now, you're not in Georgia anymore, though, right? We're just going back in. We're just,
0: you mean physically? Yeah, physically. No, no, no. You no, no, no. moved scared. up here permanently. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
2: Back. No, I'm saying I've been gone doing the, the construction part. Gotcha. You're just basic, not at
0: home because you're always here. Well, gotcha.
2: I, no, I'm not, He's home. No, it's not my wife. It's the marketing people oh, gotcha. at Bluegrass Distillers. <laughs> okay, I was totally I'm confused second, there. His second wife. <laughs> 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 I, they, they, my, my work wives. Your work wives.
1: Gotcha. Uh, no, think, We all have those too, man. Yeah, I
2: think... Is Matt your work wife? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think they're particularly... They didn't, They don't like seeing me in this sort of... They like, don't like
1: seeing you in general.
2: That's probably true. But certainly not at <laughs> low tide and high tide. So,
1: they're like, "Go away! We yeah. got this."
2: So I, I'm really looking forward to getting back to the to the growth part.
1: So when's when's house going to be complete? Like, what's the estimated final? Date? So
2: that so the house is open. Okay, we open on Friday, Saturday. We'll probably open probably this week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, okay. we're trying to figure out some other things like that would create a better experience for people, you know, had a thief out of a barrel out here and things like that. Um, we're going to go back to doing that in Lexington. Um, but, you know, we, we still have where we're really stretched because we run that up there. They distill, they bottle for us and other people. Right. And then when now we're splitting between people down here and people up there, although people do want to come down here. Yeah, It's cool down here. They're tired of being in that little space and um, next to
1: the tire shop and the brewery, (laughs) Yeah,
2: the tire shop, and the brewery. And yeah. And so, um,
1: so they're, they're building down there by transies, one big block and it's a brewery, a little restaurant, a tire shop. And then a distillery is all in this little, that's crazy. yeah. Yeah. It's a
2: pro bono bike shop. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, there used to be roller girls over there too, which
0: was. Yeah. Know, I never did go see that, but I thought. Yes,
1: you did. Cool. <laughs> I did. Yes,
0: you I Can't did. admit it.
1: <laughs> roller derby? Shut off the roller derby yeah. That's <laughs> a
0: lot of fun, actually. I mean, I, I was shocked at how much fun I had when I went to a roller derby event.
1: There, It's a lot of cool stuff out there. It is. No, it's a good area. I mean, it's a, your original distillery is in a good
0: area. Yeah. I
2: mean, it has been. People ask me about it, being in Lexington. And I, I think it was a really great place to start yeah. because. When you're out on the trail, like out here, you have to have some serious gravitas. And it, back then we wouldn't have had, well, back then there was like hardly nothing going on. You know I mean? There was very few craft distilleries. Yeah. Um, in 2015, I think is when we op- opened to the public in November of 15. And, um, but being in Lexington, we have conventions, we have football games, we have basketball games. Do
1: you sponsor any of the football games and basketball games? No, I went not Kroger. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's, you gotta be. That's fair. We're just oh, trying no, to get fair. into the Kroger store. <laughs> all right, Kroger listeners, if you're out there. <laughs> we want Bluegrass Distillers.
2: We we are. I think we are. We, we we go in and out of Kroger. I feel like they should. I feel like I've seen you at mm-hmm.
0: Kroger before. I'll tell you what. I, I really like your alls bottle design. I like the, you know, on the, on the Bluegrass Distillers one, you got the jockey and the silk and all that stuff. And then... And then you're paying homage on the Elkwood Reserve with you know with the house here, and then the train. That's the only one that I'm I'm, I'm a little confused about, but but, the, I, but, I, but I may not understand the story. So what's the story behind the the Lee's Branch and the Midway and, and that bottle and that design?
2: So the Midway, we we wanted to keep bourbons all as bluegrass, right? And so when we came to Midway, there was a distillery here. The last I think it closed in the First World War. Okay, when they basically made that you couldn't produce alcohol for non-medicinal persons. Yeah. So, I mean, they were making it for the government for tires, basically. Um, And so, um, but that was a functioning distillery in town. And so basically we got that name back and we started doing rye whiskey. And so um, we, all the rye whiskeys are finished. So, and and then they're named after something like, we've never had any names for the bluegrass bottles, like, you know, the blue Toro or something like that, but all everything in on the Midway line, um, relates to something relatively significant historically in Midway. Gotcha. So Lee's Branch is the stream. Um, which one is that? That's Lee's Branch, yeah. That's, that's Lee's Branch, Branch. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's that's finished in French oak. That's very really nice and creamy, it's really. Good. Um, it's got a
0: great, yeah, mouth fill and creamy. It, 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 it's a little minty for me, mm-hmm. but like. But, yeah, I mean – You rye people. I, well, so, like – so, I love rye, but, I, but I'm one of those people that I'm really, really – I fell in love with, like, fruit forward rise. Mm-hmm. So, when mint comes in or those heavy, like, uh, like floral notes and stuff like that, I'm like, hmm, what? And then I, they usually grow on me after they've opened and had some time. But if, when I first put it in my mouth, I'm always like, whoa, that's different, like, because that mint just really pops me. Um, but that that one's – I think the French oak really, really marries well with that one. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I like French oak in general, um, you know, with bourbon as well. It, uh, But the train is on there because Midway was established as a train town. Gotcha. And so that's that's like the train is Midway's logo. Gotcha. So if you go into Midway, you'll see a sign that has a train. And um, we looked at all kinds of different things. There was another building here that's very significant, but it just seemed to be appropriate i yeah. feel like my life is a freight train now
0: yeah, yeah. i've been there 30 or 40 times and I, I honest to goodness i've never paid attention to the fact that never there was a train it goes
2: right through town
0: <laughs> well i mean i knew there was a train station i just i guess i never noticed on like the like logos or like trains yeah. in, on in different places in the in, in the town of midway i think that's funny but Only it's cool i got stopped by a train do I, I even like how even on the sticker it's like the little crossing sign you
1: know yeah it's got great color to it by yeah. the way
2: so you don't, you didn't see that on those bottles cause they have the pour on them, but, uh, we have a spinner on top of them.
1: I, so I saw that. So the little coins, right? Mm-hmm.
2: So there, there were a bunch of different distilleries in that building. And so one of them was Park and Tilford and Park and Tilford was around sort of in the heyday and actually, and at the collapse of bourbon. So like they were around in the fifties and at the end of the sixties. And so like, Bourbon was really merchandised in the 60s. It it must have been incredibly, you know, competitive. But so one of the things that they did is they had this spinner and it has like a little knob on it. And so it would spin for like, Those who's going to cool. be the. Those were cool looking. But
1: it's cool. I saw them down there in the mantle and I was like, what? I thought is. they were like mini
0: challenge coins or something, but I didn't you flip it over to notice that it was... You could, you, it'd be hard to get on that top. Yeah, it'd be but hard to get on that top.
2: <laughs> <But> <laughs> the spinner business, it's hard to find the right spinner. Right. So, you know, you find somebody that does the right spinner, and then, you know, the price goes up, and then you go to somebody else, and they're like, well, we're different. And then it's obviously produced in the same place in China. It's the same one. And, uh, but we finally, we have a good spinner manufacturer now, and the spinners... You know, it was just something kind of fun, Yeah, you know, that we did.
1: That's awesome. So we get to try a fun little array of some stuff you got here. So we've got your blue corn, your toasted oak bourbon, your French oak rye, and my favorite, the Elkwood Reserve. And if that bottle magically goes missing from your bar, I apologize. I <laughs> will know where it went. So these, would, would you claim that these are kind of some of your flagship bottles yeah. out there? Yep, I would. I
2: think these the ones that we don't have here are weeded bourbon yeah a weeded bourbon which again because we had such small production in the past is seasonal and um uh but the other one we have mash bill number no. one which is a, a very traditional bourbon that's a ride bourbon um it's seventy five 4 so it it the mash bill number no. one obviously was the first one we ever did and then we did, we did it next, and then blue corn followed, and then these other things are things that we moved on to toasted. Our toasted product, what we do in that is we take whatever the base bourbon and usually it's it's a it's a ride bourbon, um, and we'll we'll finish it in a a retoasted barrel. So we've tried this a couple ways. So we tried it in virgin barrels that were just toasted, and then we tried it in and what we, our standard is we use barrels that were, we were previously used. Right. And then we have them bored out by Kelvin and then we retoast them. And that makes a better product because the new barrels, they just have a lot of tannins in them. And we know that cause we also, we broker new barrels, but, um, but a, a barrel that has an older stave has basically had all those really bitter tannins sucked out of it. So, um, that is, uh, it's turned into a really nice flagship product for us because we can reproduce it. Um, if some people say if it says toasted,
0: it'll sell, which we find to be.
1: The I mean, case. that's true. It is. That's very true. It's
0: uh, it's true. Unfortunately, and fortunately, in some capacity, sometimes you buy something that says toasted and you try it, and you're like, meh. <laughs> there have
1: there have been some that I like it was like, oh, this, this looks great. It's great color. It's dark. It's toasted. And then you try it, and you're just like, well. <sighs>
0: Did it not do much to it or did didn't it too do much, much to
1: anything it? to it? It
0: didn't do anything or in that, that situation, maybe it just picked up a little color or in sometimes, like you said, it it's just, it's too much tan and it, it's not enough of the other things that come with a good toasted
1: barrel. I think that,
2: that's from the new barrel. There, yeah.
1: Well, so there's a lot of times where if you double oak it right in a mm-hmm. new heavy charred barrel, one month into it and you pull it out, it's going to look incredibly dark Mm -hmm. compared to when you put it in. so some people, you know, you proof that down and then you you don't really get the double oaking flavor of it that you're supposed to, or that you're looking for. Um, and then it just kind of lets you down.
2: (laughs) The toasting of the reused of the used barrels is just a touch, but it's, it makes it like a sugar bomb. And I think people who like really sweeter bourbons that have, it has, it gives it a little extra mouthfeel because you're just getting that sugar on the outside.
1: Yeah, it's got it's got tons of legs on it, and you're right. It's 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 a whole lot of sweetness in there. It's viscous. So it's really yeah. funny. You're the toasted oak bourbon, and then the French oak rye, right? You would think they would have similar color and texture mm-hmm. to it, but they do not. And it's crazy how different they are. They're probably well. The rye's older. Well, it's French oak versus toasted American, right? You yeah. Toasted American or toasted French? No, it's toasted American. Yeah. Well, there you go. In
2: the bourbon. Yeah. The right. toasted French is toasted French
1: it's fair it's actually
0: toasted french though it's not double oak it's just it's not double charred or you, no charge the, well. the second is toasted gotcha.
2: so we've got a french oak
1: girl. that's interesting I'm,
0: I'm really enjoying this one the toasted one the, American that's what toasted American i got that's, yeah. that's what i
1: got the uh, bourbon fest mm-hmm. that's what you guys were yeah. selling yeah.
0: out there it's that's got some really nice sweet notes to it and just really really good mouth fill I and mean, it's got a great chew on it
1: yeah
2: And our people are really, they understand it. I mean, it just takes like anything, a bunch of times doing the same thing to get it down.
1: And it's good.
2: So I I would have never thought that like, because we couldn't get the barrels retoasted for a while. So we started buying new barrels, which is a really expensive way to do it. In my opinion, it's also pretty wasteful because they're just in there for. A couple months. Yeah. 45 days, 60 days at the most. Yeah. And so that's a really easy way to throw away some money and I'm glad we were able to get back to retoasting the barrels because it's really a better product. Yeah. From our standpoint.
0: I, and I like your idea too, as far as like, it's kind of a waste to toast something in a brand new barrel. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I, I appreciate the fact that we've got cooperages out there that are, you know, re the barrel and re-toasting them or re them or whatever you want in order to kind of do that finishing technique rather than new barrels, new barrels, new barrels, new yeah. barrels. That, that's the one thing that I worry about, the sustainability the s- sustainability of bourbon in general is like there's only so much oak right, <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. and I don't think we're planting it fast enough or 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 plentiful enough that we're going to be able to keep up with the market 40 50 years from now now I'll be dead by then it won't matter but <laughs> <laughs> yeah but 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 I feel bad for the people that may not ever get to taste the great whiskey that we've had because our trees are much more mature and they're not being you know picked at, at an earlier age
2: yeah I, i'm no oak expert but i mean you can see it on the horizon
0: yeah even even
2: sort of like in the production side of barrels that there's just it's hard to find barrels
0: yep 100 percent. any kind of collaborations i know whenever uh, we were talking with ben earlier you guys were sending some barrels to like some cidery or things like that do you guys see like uh, some products coming out like with other finishings whether it be armagnac or cognac or cider or things like that in the future Maybe we, we did one
2: with a uh, pivot where we would loan the barrels to them and they would fill the fill them with cider. I think it was called Newcastle. And then we took the barrel back and then we would, um, put bourbon in and fill it as a, a hard cider finished. Um, you have that we don't have, we don't make any more.
1: Do you have
0: any bottles laying around? That's yeah. that's the no, that's the number one point we, we question. All right. But we
2: but we we might again. Um, I just talked to him recently, and he wanted us to distill. Um, he wanted us to distill some cider for him, and right. so, and um and so I think if he does that, we get back into that. It's mainly that we just haven't had time to like take on another project. Yeah. Send him a
0: couple of rye barrels, have him put some hard hard cider or like a pear cider in there, and then when you get them back drop some that may be the way rye whiskey to do it. in there yeah
2: i don't think bourbon it was the not the greatest
0: no, it was r- too sweet rye rye holds up better because of the spice
2: yeah yeah that could be but we you know we we would do like we've done we've done collaborations with other breweries like blue stallion um you know i, I mean i'm kind of a bourbon purist purist yeah and um we do finish but i mean i'm more interested in like developing age on our spirits with the three main mash bills, um, and you know, possibly some different grains, but you know, people are like, will you do four grain or will you do this? Probably not. I mean, we'll probably just stick doing three grains. And You're like what well, we got's working. It's what well, we got's working. And you, there's only so much you can do. You really have to get cases out there and um, you don't want to experiment in markets. Um, we've been selling into markets for seven years now, eight years, so like, If we had, we, we know what we would sell if we had more of it.
1: Right. And
2: so to, you know, on the collaboration side, we're going to contract a still for people out here and we bottle for people as it is. And probably we'll use some of that expertise to help them a little bit. Um, because that's, I do like that part of the business. Right. Right. And you know, like having been a craft person and I'm still a craft person, I understand the economics of doing a brand you know and like how many barrels you need and you know what it takes and how hard it is to pull dollars out and so I think when we talk to upstart brands it's like we're in your shoes still you know like and will always be so um, we uh, and that's not our main business but it's part of our business and and you know some of our people who do the packaging are are really good at what they do so yeah. like when people call them and say like what about this they'll know like the pricing off the top of their head on bottles and labels and volume and you know and and so you know same with our distilling people will they'll have a really good idea of like what works we we've, we've distilled all kinds of stuff we were just talking about single malt right we made single malt either five or six years ago and we've just always been waiting on the ttv to issue a definition because we put it in a used barrel so but we're going to release it and try to get it Labeled as a single malt, yeah. Um, And so, if we do something different, it'll probably be to make more single malt. I mean, isn't
0: Scotch in a used barrel? Yeah. So I mean, why wouldn't they allow it a single malt with a used barrel in the United States?
2: They might. I mean, they just haven't said. So I mean, you know, there's a lobby, I'm sure, involved. I'm sure. You know, um, (laughs) always a lobbyist. What? There's there's some. There's somebody pushing a definition. Um, and, but you know, the American way is new barrels, right? So all the American flagships, rye whiskey, wheat, whiskey, bourbon, they're all in a new barrel. So we'll just, we'll see. I, I think that a new barrel would to some degree make sense, um, because it would be different than scotch then. Right. I mean, we're just not going to catch up to scotch. Right. No. You're right. A, aren't you a scotch drinker? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, we're not going to have 35 year old scotches.
1: I mean, it, we, we could have 35 year old bourbons. We just don't. They'd age too fast.
2: I mean that's true. In yeah. this climate, oh like yeah. a thirty-five year old bourbon,
0: it
1: would just I don't taste like licking like bark. It'd be like yeah, it yeah, it'd be like licking a tree. Yeah. So I mean, it Cause didn't. Wasn't there the Fraser Museum put out that forty-two year old bourbon? Do you yes, remember that? it that? Do you remember he- that?
0: It was heavily proofed down, and I don't uh, know if it was proofed down. I think it was just a low proof. I think it just came no, out low. No, nothing's going to come out that low. Are you being was surprised. ninety proof? I mean. Was it? Was it ninety? Proof? It was like ninety proof or ninety two proof. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't. Anyway, Sam, yeah. did
1: you see? You know what I'm talking about? No,
2: but I did try some really old bourbon. Um, Steve from Ken, Kentucky artisan. Henson, oh yeah, he gave to me. It just you he tried like, it, and you were just like, it was undrinkable. Which is what he told me. He yeah. goes, "You need a bunch of water." Yeah. And um, and uh, it just, was I don't know.
1: I I mean I tried it one time, and I mean all it was really funny because a lot of those people waited in line for it just to try to flip it. Because it was expensive, I mean, it was probably fifteen hundred dollars, two grand for it. Right.
2: Was this the Fraser Museum one?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
2: don't know which one that one was. But like, the Fraser released a
0: bourbon. Uh,
1: well, I don't.
0: It was part of like yeah, some story, and I think it, was it the Kentucky or like some University of Kentucky University of Louisville something was tied to it. I don't remember
1: exactly. There was something tied to it. Yep. Championship it the thing. Oldest, or, it's the oldest whiskey that was ever released. Right. It's right. Forty-two years old. Yeah. And like somebody had tried it and they were just like, dude, this is, you can't, you can't even drink this. And so a lot of people were trying to sell it as a collectible or trying to flip it. There's only a handful of people in the world that'll probably buy that kind of, that kind of a bottle, you know, that'll hold on to it and not drink it. And so there were like hundreds of people that were stuck with this bottle and they were pissed. And so, you know, pros and cons of flipping bottles is that, that'll hurt you. So. It was really fun. Eight years is a good year. Eight years is a great year. (laughs) Nine nine years was a great
2: year. Nine nine years was a great year. Nine years was a great year. That was an experiment for us. I'm fully aware of that. We never jumped into the super premium market until the Elkwood Reserve.
1: Congratulations.
2: Thank you. And um, we've got, and so that one was nine years and we sourced that. Um, You know, it's hard to find this stuff out on the market and we found it and um, it worked. And then, no, we do have some of, we do have an eight-year-old some eight year old barrels from us that are
1: coming out next nice. year. Okay. So what are you going to do with them?
2: Sell them. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. Uh, no, we're, we're I, don't, I don't know if we'll do elk wood or bluegrass. Um,
1: are they blue corn or are they just no, regular weeded. Oh, they're weeded.
2: Yeah. So they will be really good. Um, and we'll continue to do elk wood. We'll continue to try to find out, find cool barrels. And, and, you know, eventually we might do that with bluegrass stuff. We'll probably use it, we just sell it at the tasting room for now, and so we use it as sort of a proof of concept label. Yeah. Um, so we might, you know, f- I'd like to finish a bourbon in a French oak and see how that turns out. An older
1: bourbon. Um, double oak. It. <laughs> We're fans of it. We're fans. You love of the it. double oak. I do. I, I do. Love,
2: I love the, the the double toast or the the single toast after the single after the okay. French but uh, we do have a double oak rye which we call reclaim and rechar, and so they take an old barrel and they char it. Um, and it's a rye, and I just don't think it's as good really as the French. Do oil. you have it here? Yeah, because right. it doesn't sell as well.
0: <laughs> well. We'll have to get a little nip of it on our way up. Yeah, out, so.
2: yeah. I also think just when people hear French, they just think of like. Uh, nah. You know, they just love it. You know, they just think it's just good. They, they
1: love it or they hate it. I mean, yeah. I, I've heard plenty of people are like, anything with French oak, I'm staying really? 10 yards yes. away from Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, like a lot of got purists, especially. Yeah. A lot of purists hate the finishing yeah. I mean, I guess oh, yeah. movement that's going on yeah. right now. The movement makes sense to me. It makes sense for a lot of people. You're getting more and more consumers into whiskey. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about scotch, for example. How many of them are all finished? In a certain different type of cask, mm-hmm. Scotch, there's so many scotches, for sherry, yeah, all kinds of different things, especially sherry. I yep. mean, and yep. that's everywhere, mm-hmm. but people don't you don't hear them complaining about that too much because it's good. Yeah. So let's talk distribution. So where where
0: can find where can people find bluegrass distillers bottles? Here what in states. states here at Midway? So
2: yeah, here at Midway, obviously you can find them downtown Lexington. We're in Kentucky. We just got into Ohio. We're in Michigan. Tennessee, some distribution in Florida, Texas, California, Nebraska.
0: Nebraska. Was that just easy to get into, or was it just like... They called. Really? Yeah. In Virginia. Virginia. Oh, Virginia and, and is a great market, though.
2: Virginia is new for us. It's a control state, yep. um, but it seems to be good. Um, Ohio is a control state. It's really robust. Yep. I mean, they have this like newsletter that goes out. It's really um so
0: that's cool uh, OHLQ buddy they they control everything there Mm -hmm.
2: and you know that's sort of the other thing is i don't think that there are a whole lot of crafts up there so people kind of get it right uh, right nebraska's similar um nebraska if we had more time could even do better we have a great distributor out there um the people in nebraska are obviously very friendly right um they want to talk about the Cornhuskers a lot when you go out there, which is fun, you know. And now the SEC is, I mean, is not, not I... that much better than the Big Ten <laughs> or the Big Twelve, whatever. Whatever they are they're now. called now. Um, Nebraska gonna... is
1: in the Big Ten. They're in just the Big for Ten. clearance. Yeah, yeah. know. <laughs> no, I know. I'm just saying every every other month somebody changes their colours. It was the oh, Big Twelve. though, they, right? they were in the Big Twelve. Yeah, they yeah. were in the Big Twelve with Missouri and Kansas
0: yeah. State, Kansas, yeah. all those. Yeah, yeah. Texas they moved to the Big Ten. Ten years ago probably. Yeah. Right. They came in when Penn State came in. Oh, okay. So it's been a while.
2: Yeah. So, um, but you know, we we'll, you have to be expanding in the States. The question is always, do you have enough product to go? And so now one thing we do is we're like careful about what people want because people see the menu. We have a lot of skews. We used to even have more skews. Um like the pickleback. The pickleback. We'll <laughs> do the pickleback, you know. I'm we scared. have some people I'm so I'm,
1: scared i would be scared
2: who really want it back people ask about it all the time it, okay
1: there are people that love it and there are people that are like why does this exist yeah, yeah. we and are, for anybody out there listening it, you have to try it at least one time it's like when you go to chicago and try malort you just have you, to try it you try malort time. and then you don't you, 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 uh, you love it or hate it uh. <laughs> have you had Malorts? sam no it's, I mean, it's, it's, fermented it's wormwood. It's, it's absent. fermented wormwood. Oh, it is? Yeah. Basically. Yeah.
2: Okay. So. so. So we discontinued that as a regular oh, product. Man. We'll do it probably once a year on National Pickle Day. Um, so I love this. So much fun. I love this. And then we did have a Christmas product that was called Sinus Helper that we didn't do this year. Um, we'll probably do it next year, but we're moving away from the sugar in it and we're just going to do it with a lot of oh. natural cinnamon. Nice. So we're going to go back to sort of a purist thing and and sort of redo the label a little bit. So we'll have those things that are just seasonal because they're, they're fun. Um, I think seasonal releases are fun.
1: I think that I think that not enough distilleries do enough releases around certain types of seasons. And mm-hmm. I think that that's a great way to get some, some new customers. I see it if you're an NDP
2: because it's a lot of expense to do for a quarter and you got to get your distributor to take it. But if you got a tasting room, it makes all the sense in the world. You do see a lot of them do it, but a lot of them do, like, cream
1: something. I, well, they don't do, like, a whiskey. They do, Yeah, like you said, mm-hmm. it's all... I think a whiskey-themed seasonal release would be great. I get it. It's expensive to do it, but... Yep. They're charging us at the butt for everything anyway. It's not like it matters. It's true. These advertisers... What's, another, these podcasts, what's another five bucks on it, right? These podcasts. Oh, <laughs> it's crazy. So are you guys going to do,
0: like, a bourbon cream or, you know, any of those type of things?
2: I don't know. I mean, I know... Ne- cream is all, is quite the challenge. You got to be really good. You got to move it through really quickly. Our current environment is not it's great a, for that. Yeah, yeah, it's just not. That's good. fair. And uh it's an old school distillery, you know, bourbon kills everything, but n- not everything in cream. <laughs> gotcha. So uh so you know, we if we had out here we'll have a lot more equipment ability to do something like that. So yeah. we could do it. I mean, it, it would really work, especially through the holidays. Right. So we'll, we'll really try to like work on OND October, November, December, right. on site. Whereas in the past, it's always been sort of the weakest time of the year for us. People say, why is it? You know, it be, because we compete with liquor stores, but here we'll have, we have a Christmas market coming up in December. So if you look at You'll see the Christmas market, and we'll have Santa Claus out here. Matt's gonna be dressed up like Santa. I am,
0: hundred percent, hundred percent. And oh. uh, I don't know that you're it, gonna pass for Santa, but we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll take uh,
2: that. Maybe Ben may do it. He's got a Santa suit. Um, I can't see Ben and doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I could do it, um, but uh, I do. That would ruin it for my kids because they'd be like, "Dad, you're dressed. Are you Santa?
1: What what is going on right now?" <laughs>
2: I don't want this part of my kid's what? life to go away. I really do. You like, don't. Like, I was talking to him the other day about, like, what do you think Santa's doing now? And they were, it's, Sam was, he didn't really want to get into the conversation because he didn't know what to do. Like, how do you, how do you think Santa, like, finds out, you know, and I tell him. So, but so, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll do other things like that.
0: That's awesome. That'd be fun. Absolutely. So, hey, um, if people want to find you guys, how do they do it? How do they get in touch with you? If they want to come out and do a tasting, you want to give them a rundown of website address, yep. all that good stuff for us, Sam.
2: It's website's really easy. It's www with an scom and then we have a Facebook, and then we have an Instagram. But you can book tastings through the Facebook. Uh, I mean, not through the Facebook, through the website. Um, we're also going to be doing this thing probably starting here shortly where you can thief it out of the barrel you'd have to book that separately though so it's different than a tour it's a different experience but then you can come out here to elkwood just thursday to saturday and we'll probably be open six days a week here in two weeks well, what's the address for them this the address out here in midway is 158 West town road midway gotcha and so it's exit 65 it's the first exit East of the Buffalo Trace exit. Um, so it's inside. the Midway exit. It's the Midway, it's the midway exit. Midway it's exit.
0: between, and so it's right. midways it's between Versailles and Lexington, basically. Lexington and Frankfurt. Lexington and Frankfurt, yeah. I, I always think of it as Versailles because, like I said, my family's from here. Mm-hmm. And like, so I always say it's Versailles. but technically, yeah, that's on the other side. So, mm-hmm. but it's pretty neat. So, well, that's good. Um, well, thanks so much for being on the show. We greatly appreciate it. If you want to find Bourbon Barrel Talk, you can find us on Instagram. Facebook, or the X, I guess, is now what it's the called. It's no longer the Twitter. I mean, I don't know what the deal is with that. And if you want to ask Go us a question, or if you have any questions that you want us to get to, uh, Sam and Ben out here at uh, Bluegrass, you can send them to Talk at gmail.com. Um, this is Scott, Matt, and Sam signing off. Peace. And the empty
1: seat of Ben. And
0: in the empty seat of Ben. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it.